Men, you may be seated. Are dismissed to go downstairs. My name is Ethan Fordham. I serve as an elder here. I'm just grateful to bring the word this morning. The, <clears throat> the last word we have from the book of Philippians. We did it. We went through a whole nother book. It just seems like yesterday we were still going through Matthew for three and a half years. But alas, we are finishing Philippians. They say that you should never, at the dinner table, talk about religion or politics. Right? Christmas season's coming up, and so some of you are like, either you're preparing for someone to bring those things up, or you're holding yourself back from bringing those things up. Well, for me, growing up, you could talk about either of those things at the dinner table. However much you want, religion and politics, all day long. What you couldn't talk about, though, was money. Couldn't talk about money. Growing up, I was discouraged from talking about money. But we're talking about money this morning. And so I'm coming to you a little awkward because we got to talk about money. But you know what? I'm in good company. I trust that, I mean, I feel awkward. I trust that many of you maybe even feel a little awkward as well, unless you're Brandon Swain, because he told me yesterday. I was like, do you feel awkward talking about money? And he's like, no. I was like, all right, I guess it's just me. But I trust that some of you, right, feel awkward. We're in good company. Paul's a little awkward too, as he talks about money with the Philippians. But we need to talk about it because the word talks about it. Yeah. Amen? Right. So I want to invite our uh, reader, Bethany Murphy, to come forward. Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Uh, Bethany's going to come and read our text for us this morning. Our text this morning comes from the New Testament, Book of Philippians, beginning in chapter 4, verse 14. This is the word of the Lord. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's ask for the Spirit's assistance. Good morning. 
Lord God, we come to you, Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life. And we ask that you would open your word to us, the word which you spoke to Paul, that you wish to speak to us this morning. Give us open minds and soft hearts that we may behold and see Christ and take pleasure in what you take pleasure in. Receive all the honor and the glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you remember from last week, Paul said that he could be content in every and any situation, right? He knew the secret. He found out the secret to facing abundance and facing need, right? He could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. But when Paul was in need, like actually in need, the Philippians sent him some love. They supported him. And so Paul wants to be careful because if he isn't careful, what he just said could sound like he's ungrateful or like Philippians, I know you gave me some stuff, but I really don't need it, right? It's almost like when we, I think as Christians, we can tend to over-spiritualize compliments. Somebody's just like, hey man, you did a really good job. No, 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 only the Lord does a good job. It's like, just take the compliment. It's actually just good to take a compliment, right? So if he's not careful, it could sound like he's just disregarding the Philippians, over-spiritualizing his situation. But he wants to give his partners some love. He wants to encourage them for their support. He opens up with this. He says, Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, when in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. See, the Philippians, just for some context, had received the gospel from Paul. In Acts 16, Paul, Timothy, and Silas made their way into the region of Macedonia, which is modern-day northern Greece, uh, <clears throat> and they went to Philippi. And it's there that, we, that they met uh, Lydia, right? The first Christian convert in Philippi. And with Lydia, the Philippian church began. Paul gave them the gospel, and they received it. But after Paul's time in Philippi, he went on his way to Thessalonica. But his relationship with the Philippian church continued. They became his gospel partners in gospel ministry. And at that time, they were his only partners. He gave them the gospel, and upon receiving it, they partnered with him to give back for the sake of gospel ministry. We see that responding to the gospel by giving in gospel partnership to gospel ministry is simply an appropriate response. As a church, we do this. We give so that gospel ministry can continue in Onondaga County. 
in this year, the year of our Lord, 2023, this church will be, I'm projecting a little bit, will be faithful to give about $200,000. We did that together. We did that as a response to the gospel for the sake of the gospel, of gospel ministry in Onondaga County. We all have lived sacrificial lives. And to speak personally in doing so, to speak real personal, you all support mine and Mike's ability to minister the gospel to you week in and week out to give you the gospel so that you might continue to receive it. Thank you for sharing in our troubles, just to echo Paul, for living as gospel partners and supporting gospel ministry here. If you didn't do that, then we would be greatly hindered from continuing to give ourselves to you. And it's our joy and delight to do so. But your continued partnership by giving to gospel ministry is beyond this church, right? We want to plant more churches, and we need finances to do that. We want to continue to give so that gospel ministry can continue beyond North Syracuse. We just planted Covenant in Baldwinsville. Well, what about Liverpool? What about Clay? What about Oswego County? What about the continuing needs in the city of Syracuse? We want to plant more churches. We want gospel ministry to continue. So we must give. We must. And if I could just perhaps threaten my job for a moment. We look at our, our budget, and if we simply looked at the numbers, we might think, whoa, man, do we have enough to support the things that we're trying to do in the coming years as we look into the future? It might just be as simple as, okay, you want to fix all your budget problems? Ax Ethan. <laughs> just give him the pink slip, give him the axe, Guess what? We've solved all of our budget problems. We're no longer in any kind of need, and we can continue as a church. But the reality is, is that we want to plant more churches, and to plant more churches, we need more elders who can devote themselves to that kind of work. We live this way for the sake of the vision, the vision of the gospel continuing to go out in Onondaga County. I would still minister to you if I did not have a job full-time here. But I'm grateful to you all to be able to continue with you in gospel ministry in this place. So we give so that gospel ministry can continue in Onondaga. We also give so that gospel ministry can continue in the world, right? We're gospel partners in gospel ministry with Chris Davidson and Josh Hamilton in Scotland. I don't know if you know or have run the numbers lately or if anybody's looking at the budget these days, but in the last year, I think it's just in the last year, between us, Covenant Church, the fundraisers, and the people that we sent over to Scotland, 
we've given probably, we've sent about 30 grand to Scotland. You want to talk about some brothers that are in need, that are in a spiritually desperate place, where church membership, if you're a mega church, is like 30 people? You want to know who needs resources? Who needs resources to continue gospel ministry? It's our brothers and sisters in Scotland. So we give to support gospel ministry in Scotland. We give to our gospel partners. But it's not only them. We also give to our brothers and sisters in Poland. Right? Annika and Mike were just in Poland. And they saw the kind of condition it is there. It's a spiritually dead place. It's, a, it's, <clears throat> it's really the worst kind of dead Catholicism. Right? It's not even serious Catholicism. It's dead, spiritually dark. You want to know what a megachurch is in Poland? Well, if it's 30 people in Scotland, it's 10 people in Poland, right? Friends, we want to continue to give for the sake of gospel ministry in Poland. But we want us to be humble as well as Paul was humble. Because not only is it appropriate to respond to the gospel by giving in gospel partnership, it's also appropriate to receive. As a church, we've had amazing partners over the last decade. Partners that have supported us for 10 years. But in this past year alone, from churches, Grace Road in Rochester, Terra Nova in the Capital Region, Remnant Church down in Richmond, Virginia, Missio Church, our mother church down in the city of Syracuse. Over the last year, these churches and other partners have supported us. We've received from them in the last year probably about 30 grand. That's no small feat. They're committed. They want to see gospel ministry continue in Onondaga County in this church. So they're sacrificial and they're generous to give to us. Our ability to continue has been greatly supported by the giving of these churches. Praise God for these brothers and sisters who could support us in this way. Friends, Let's be a thankful people for the ways that God has supported for our needs. needs. <clears throat> but let's also continue to devote ourselves to this work. Paul saw it as good, and we should as well. So give as gospel partners to support gospel ministry. But the desire for all of us to continue in gospel partnership and giving is not a transactional relationship. It's not if Paul was just trying to get the Philippians to like pay up. Like he was like sort of like a, is it a humble brag or um, I don't know, like a, he, like he's being shady. He was like, I don't need anything, but you know, Philippians, it'd be really nice if you could uh, show the brother some love. Right? Like, that's, that's not what's happening. 
Paul up to this point has been really careful not to speak to the Philippians, uh, not to speak of the Philippians' support as a worldly obligation or transaction. Paul is not interested in creating a worldly obligation. He's not, you know, like a, we think transactions, right? Like walk into the Apple store, walk out with an iPhone, pay for it, don't steal it. Walk out with an iPhone, right? <clears throat> but it's not that kind of transaction. It's not that kind of obligation. It's not that kind of relationship. Paul's not interested in worldly obligations, but he is interested in encouraging and revealing spiritual obligation. He goes on to say, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Right? Not that I seek the gift. He doesn't want to, uh, he doesn't want them to misunderstand them. He's not buttering them up for more support. He does not seek the gift itself, right? He says that he has all that he needs, that he's, he's been well supplied by this church. But he does want them to have a proper perspective on their giving in gospel partnership. Friends, this was not a time when generosity was known or regarded very well. I think Spurgeon helpfully illustrates the sort of condition of this day and age. He said, there was no sort of provision for the poor. If a man was poor, why, that was his own lookout, and he might starve and die. You know how hardened the people had become through the fights in the amphitheater, so that the sight of blood produced a fierce delight in their brutal bosoms. And human suffering was to them rather a thing to be rejoiced in than to be prevented. There might be here and there a tender hand that gave a small coin to the poor, but for the most part, charity was dead. It's kind of, I don't think we can relate to the blood sport, but to the charity is dead, we might be able to sort of see that in our own society, our own hearts, our own culture this day. Even though it seems that in our lives, in our world, that charity is alive, right? It's Christmas time. You know what rolls out when Christmas time comes around? The big red cauldron. And how easy it to is it to just like throw some coin at the cauldron? And like, I've been charitable. Or even for people to donate large amount of monies to charity. I mean, there are an awful lot of tax benefits to being charitable. If people are numb to anything today, it isn't charitable giving, but a charitable heart. And the heart is what Paul is most concerned for. Paul was interested in the fruit that increased to their credit. In giving, there was an increase in spiritual fruit in the lives of the Philippians. Paul didn't just want them to be generous as an act. He wanted them to be generous people from the heart. He wanted love to increase 
in them. Their continued giving was proof of God's grace in their lives and proof that God's grace was continuing to grow in their lives, right? The fruit that increased to their credit. That's what Paul's interested in, not the gift, the fruit that increased to their credit. And I say the same to you. Even though money is a necessity in life, the fruit that increases to your credit is even more necessary. I don't want you to just be generous. I want you to be generous people. I want you to be people known for love. Your gospel partnership and giving to gospel ministry at Renovation Church and all the churches that we support is proof of God's past grace and his growing grace in your life in your growth in truth and godliness. So friends, why should you continue to give? Because God wants you to continue to grow in grace. I want you to continue to grow in grace. And you know what? Just because I'm a pastor, right? Just because I work here, it doesn't mean that I don't give, right? This is for me too. I also give to what we are doing here together in this local church. As I've been reflecting on this passage, right? Like, it's so easy. It's set up on breeze. It comes out of my bank account immediately. I don't have to think about it at all. I feel like that's a shame. That I don't think about the giving, right? That I don't think about the fruit that it could potentially increase to my own credit. The grace, the growing grace of God in my own life. Friends, we might ask, how can it be that through giving that we are changed like this? What's so special about giving? Well, I think we would all agree that when we sit under the preaching of the word, like we are right now, that God gives us his grace. We hear Christ speak. We receive his word and that his spirit is active in the heart of faith, that he is giving us his grace, that we are growing in this moment, and that we are spiritually nourished and grow when we participate in the Lord's Supper together, that we really receive spiritual strength when we come to the Lord in prayer. These are all acts of worship, and worship changes us. Brothers and sisters, giving is an act of worship. And it changes us. Paul called the Philippians to gospel partnership, uh, Philippians giving in gospel partnership, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. This is like temple worship language. Giving is worship. Far be it from a worldly transaction, giving in gospel worship, gospel partnership is an act of worship, a spiritual act of worship. God is honored and glorified when his people freely offer of the things that he has given us in spiritual worship. Giving, it's a, I mean, look at the language of the text, right? Giving, it's a fragrant offering. I mean, think about like, it's Christmas time. We're like, you know, pumpkin spice. Is that still Christmas? Maybe it's apples now. I don't know. But like apples and, and like the, the smells and the food and the cookies, right? 
It's so nice, right? Like, it's a fragrant smell, and we love it, don't we, right? God loves giving. It's a fragrant smell to him, pleasing to him. When God's people support gospel work and gospel partnership, it is a fragrant smell to our God. But not only that, it is a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, right? A sacrifice. It's, it's giving something up. It's letting go of it and giving it up to the Lord for his use, his purposes, right? It might be hard to make sacrifices in this life, right? A sacrifice hurts a little bit, doesn't it? but it's acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, our giving might not smell very good to us sometimes. It might even stink. We might even think that it's unacceptable and that it doesn't please us very much, right? That maybe we have a hard heart towards giving sometimes or we don't give at all. But friends, just as Paul is not creating a worldly obligation. He's creating a spiritual obligation. We, as the people of God, are under a spiritual obligation to worship the Lord in giving. Friends, if only we could delight in that act the way God delights in that act to have his heart in his eyes, forgiving. I pray that he'll make it acceptable, pleasing, and a fragrant offering to all of us. Nonetheless, fear or greed at worst, right? I mean, greed at worst, fear kind of at best, can sort of like occupy our hearts and our minds when we think about giving. We can be worried even rightly so, about life's circumstances, right? We've got student loan debt, which is disgusting. We've got mortgages, groceries, car payments. Maybe even we're paying off something that we shouldn't have gone outside of our means to buy. So maybe we think that hoarding is our best option. I've just got to collect it all to build it up just in case. Friends, how could we possibly meet all the responsibilities that we have in life and live sacrificially through giving in gospel partnership? Paul goes on. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, you want to know how you're going to make it? How you're going to meet your obligations? It's because God is going to supply every single need that you have when you step out in faith and give in the ways that he calls you to. Now, this isn't some health and wealth garbage. God's not promising you a Ferrari. It's a bummer, 
I'd like one, but he's not promising you. Actually, that's a lot of maintenance. It's probably bad. But he's not promising us riches, a bigger house, a nicer car, whatever it is that those charlatans, those false prophets promise people. God is promising that when you step out in faith to give in gospel partnership, to gospel ministry, that he's going to meet all of the needs that you have. Right? God cares deeply for the earthly life of his people. He promises to take care of us in the ways that we need. When we give by faith as an act of worship, we can expect to receive what we need in this life from our loving Father. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Could, could God really supply all my needs? Does he really know? Does he like really care? Friends, don't doubt God. Don't doubt him in this. He sent his only son to die on a cross to save us from our sins. Do we really think a mortgage payment is that much harder for him? Do we really think a car payment or credit card bill, or some kind of need, some groceries, right? Some sense of security, or even mental health, that those things are hard for our God? Jesus died for our sins. There's nothing that's going to parallel, no need in your life that's going to parallel that greatest need. There's no bigger payment or debt that we needed to be paid, needed that... There's no greater payment or debt that needed to be paid than the debt we owed to God for sin. But Jesus Christ came, swept his, swiped his credit card of righteousness, and canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Your greatest need for salvation and righteousness is met in Jesus Christ. So when you give as a gospel partner to gospel ministry, recognize that you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Christ has given what you what you need for the next life, and our loving Father will give us what we need for this life. If you're here this morning and you think that the works you do or the money you give is good enough to make you right with God, Friend, your biggest problem will never be that you didn't give enough time or donate enough money. Your greatest need is to be saved from your sins, to have forgiven the debt you owe God for being a glory thief. The Lord simply calls each and every one of us at the outset to set our wallets down and come to him empty-handed in faith. Whether you know, if you don't know Jesus, do this, and he will save you from your sins. And you'll be well-supplied, rich in grace. And you can expect that the love of God will supply all that you need in this life. Brothers and sisters, what is our response? What is our response to a God who gives so generously, who is so bountiful in supplying us all our needs? 
Giving is an act of worship, and our response is more worship. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Give as gospel partners to gospel ministry as an act of worship, entrusting yourselves to him for all you need. Amen? Finally, Paul brings this book to a close. He says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus, and the brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, we, we might take this simply, right? Paul's like simply saying goodbye. Like, okay, bye guys. Tell everybody else we said hi, <laughs> you know? Good talking to you. But given what Paul has said about gospel partnership, we've realized that relationship is entirely transformed. Paul wants them to recognize that in Christ, they have a new familial relationship with one another. He wants them to be connected to each other as the family of God in Christ. You see, mentioned here, right? Those who belong to Caesar's household. I just like, what a wonderful sort of like historical note. Like Paul is, yeah, he's in Rome. But we see like there are people in Caesar's household who are responding in faith to the gospel. People in Caesar's household who called Caesar Lord. At this time, it was Nero, who was an awfully terrible Caesar, right? They would call Caesar Lord. Now they are calling Christ Lord. They belong to Caesar's household. Now they belong to Christ's household. Why is this important? Because the greatest debt we owe to one another, as we heard, I think, in our, not our assurance of pardon, but in our call to confession of sin, the greatest debt we owe to each other is to love. We ought to love one another. That's what the extending of the greeting is. It's a greeting of love. It's an embracing of the family based on our new identity together in Jesus. So we extend love to one another by being a part of one another's lives. Two, if we're talking about gospel partnership, we're talking about gospel ministry. Without this love for one another, gospel ministry and partnership will be shallow, empty, and die. Without this greeting, without this love, without this identity, without us being connected to each other, we can expect Renovation Church to die. Friends, let's not do that. Let's greet one another based on this family identity. Christ went out of his way to love you and make you a family member. So love your brothers and sisters by greeting each other and embracing one another and being together as gospel partners in gospel ministry. We are no longer strangers. We are Christ's people in the household of God. Friends, gospel ministry is on the line. So give 
a loving greeting to one another as gospel partners for the sake of gospel ministry. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we come to you, entrusting ourselves to you. Lord, we are weak. We're frail. Lord, our, our love is often cold. We often think that if we do more, give more, be better, that we'll be more pleasing and acceptable to you. Lord, only Christ makes us acceptable to you. So Lord, as a response to your abundant mercy and grace, give us charitable and generous hearts to love and support all of the things that you love and support. God, be glorified. Help us. We pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we have the opportunity as we do each week to come to the Lord's table together.